A listener note, this episode contains adult content and language. It's 2012 in London, at the headquarters of international social network Badu. The company is owned by Russian billionaire Andrei Andreev, and today it's the usual hive of activity. Jessica Powell is in her third-floor office, overlooking the trendy streets of Soho. She's in her second year as the chief marketing officer for Badu. The company has just launched a mobile dating app in America. Already, it has 140 million members worldwide and a growing reputation as a hookup app. Powell picks up her phone, glancing at the caller ID. It's Andre. Hey, what's up? Hi, Jessica. No big deal. Just wanted to get your opinion on a couple of things. Andreev is an affable guy, but Powell feels herself tense up immediately. She has a hunch about what's coming. Okay, I'm listening. Now that we're promoting the app in the States, I think it's time we start handing out some promotional swag. I'm thinking... dildos. Uh, seriously? Come on, Andre. Sure, why not? It'd be funny, don't you think? Honestly, I don't think that's a good idea. What does that even have to do with a dating app? Okay, okay. How about this? What if we change our platform from social media to an anonymous sex club? Powell grimaces and looks out the window. It's not the first time she's heard this kind of thing. And sometimes that kind of attitude bleeds into her workspace. She's been told to act pretty for investors. Once she was asked to give a potential hire a massage, she refused. You're the boss, Andre, but really, I don't think it's a good idea. Okay, but try and keep an open mind. I'm just suggesting options. Andre hangs up. Powell can imagine what he's thinking. When a woman disagrees with Andre, the word suka isn't far behind. It's Russian for bitch. Powell soon leaves Badu. She'll go on to write a fictional book based on her experience at the company. Later, she'll be quoted in an incendiary article in Forbes magazine exposing Badu's alleged sexist, misogynistic work environment. But by then, Andreev will be the co-founder and majority shareholder of Bumble. His partner will be Whitney Wolf Hurd, the face of the wildly successful app created on a staunch anti-misogyny platform. But at this moment, Wolf Hurd is about to confront a nightmare scenario that threatens to upset everything Bumble stands for. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus... Get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. 
It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In the last episode, Bumble launched like a rocket, quickly becoming one of the top dating apps. For Wolf Hurd, it's the ultimate corporate revenge move against her former employer, Tinder. Meanwhile, Match Group took a debilitating hit when the U.S. government accused the conglomerate of creating phony profiles to rip off potential subscribers. The stakes for the booming dating world keeps getting richer. But the looming COVID-19 pandemic threatens to push them all into dangerously uncharted territory. This is Episode 6, An Apprehensive Future. It's October 2017 in Austin, Texas. Whitney Wolf Hurd is at Bumble's headquarters. She's sitting in front of a large sign that reads, Life Short, Make the First Move. For the past week, on the heels of sexual misconduct allegations against Harvey Weinstein, the Me Too movement has been sweeping the country. Ever since Wolf Hurd filed her 2014 lawsuit against Tinder and launched Bumble, she's been outspoken on the issue of sexual harassment. Today, she's been invited to appear on CBS News to discuss it. This is an issue that we as women need to stand up against, and we need to rally the men around us to support us in standing up against this. And we need to come together, not just as women and not just as men, but as a united force of humanity to really say enough is enough. This behavior is not going to be tolerated. It is not funny. It is not a joke. It's extremely serious, and we have to, we have to see it end now. But two years later, Wolf Hurd finds herself on the defensive, scrambling to respond to allegations of sexual harassment in her own backyard. It's 2019, and Forbes has just published an explosive article detailing how Bumble's parent company, Badoo, fostered a sleazy boys' club culture. Writer Angel Ao Young recounts how Badoo employees passed around a video of an employee getting oral sex from a prostitute. She describes photos shared on a company email of Badu staffers partying naked and doing cocaine. The expose also accuses Andreev of making racist comments about Badu's large Latino audience, saying too many dark faces make the brand look cheap. Andreev denies the allegations. He accuses his former marketing chief, Jessica Powell, of making up the claims to generate publicity for her novel. Now, Heard Wolf is in the difficult position of distancing Bumble's brand from alleged behavior at Badu while simultaneously apologizing for it. She issues a statement. All of us at Bumble are mortified by the allegations about Badu. 
know that I feel personally responsible by association for the well-being of each and every team member in the group, regardless of what company or what office around the world, from the past or the present. But then, Wolf Heard tries to shoot down Ah Young's reporting. Badu is currently conducting an investigation into the allegations, as well as compiling documentation to expose the factual inaccuracies that exist within the article. Al Young fires back on the Forbes YouTube channel, saying the problem isn't with the story. It's with Andreev and Wolf Heard. When people think about Bumble, they think about its CEO, Whitney Wolf Heard. What most people don't realize is that Andre is the majority owner of Bumble. So to have all of that and to have Bumble leaning in so hard to this feminism and anti-misogynism aspect to their brand, it just all seems pretty hypocritical. Months later, Andre Andreev decides he wants to sell his company. Whether it's from the negative fallout from the Forbes story or simply a smart business move is never clarified. But the New York-based private equity firm Blackstone Group buys Magic Lab, the company that owns both Badu and Bumble, for around $3 billion. The sale leaves Wolf Heard with 20% ownership of Bumble and a new position as CEO. It also gets her out from under the dark cloud of sexism sparked by Andreev's alleged inexcusable behavior at Badu. It also allows Wolf Heard to keep Bumble's strong momentum as it rises toward the top of the dating app heap. As Bumble enters a fast-paced recovery, there's an entirely different situation at Grindr. And it's not good. For the last two years, the app for gay and bisexual men that revolutionized the industry with the introduction of location-based partner searching has been racked with problems. Kunlun, a Chinese social gaming company, bought Grindr in 2016 and layoffs quickly followed. Other employees quit. New President Scott Chen and his closest male staffers all live in the Bay Area, and none of them are gay. For the largest network of queer people on the planet, this presents some obvious pitfalls. And the new president is about to tumble right into one. At Grinders headquarters in West Hollywood, Zach Stafford, editor-in-chief of Grinders' millennial-focused LGBTQ digital magazine, Into, calls an emergency morning meeting. Okay, people, everybody listen up. We're about to run a story about something that Scott Chen posted on his Facebook page. Here's the quote, translated from Chinese. Some think marriage is between a man and a woman. I think so, too, but it's a personal matter. Stafford looks slowly around the room. I don't want anyone talking about this to co-workers. Go to lunch, act normally, and be prepared. This is going to have serious fallout, folks. Into runs the story, and the fallout is indeed serious. Chen later adds comments saying he is a, quote, huge advocate for gay rights and that he supports gay marriage. But the cat is out of the bag. When the media picks it up, it's a major embarrassment for Grinders' Chinese owners. By January, the entire Into staff is sacked. Two months later, Grinder cancels plans for a public stock offering. 
but the app's troubles are just beginning. In February, Kunlun leadership relocates Grindr's engineering team to Beijing. It's a move that impacts millions of users' personal information, including not just photos and private messages, but HIV status. And all of this is going to a country well-known for human rights violations. Then, the feds step in. After a lengthy investigation, the federal agency called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States determines that Chinese ownership of Grindr is a national security risk. That's because the site keeps a lot of social data on its customers, including U.S. officials and government contractors who could be blackmailed. The feds give Kunlun until June 2020 to sell Grindr. In March, the company closes a deal with LA-based San Vicente Acquisition for some $600 million. The two top executives are straight. In September 2019, Facebook dating launches in the U.S. Mark Zuckerberg has been developing the feature for two years. Facebook has almost 3 billion members. Not all of them are looking for a date, but even if only a small percentage are, that's easily enough to vault Facebook into competition with apps like Tinder and the monopolistic Match Group. Plus, Zuckerberg's baby has users' personal information already banked and available, from their hobbies and social circles to jobs, family, and photos. In theory, Facebook dating wants to offer a different dating experience to users who are tired of swiping across a sea of faces with a minimum amount of personal information. It's all about intimacy, according to Zuckerberg. He announces the dating app at Facebook's annual F8 developer conference. This is going to be for building real long-term relationships, all right? not just hookups. It's going to be in the Facebook app, but it's totally optional. It's opt-in. If you want, you can make a dating profile. And, and I know a lot of you are going to have questions about this, so I want to be clear that we have designed this with privacy and safety in mind from the beginning. For many users, the app is about finding a warm, long-term relationship. But for Facebook, it's about cold competition. After Zuckerberg's announcement, Match Group shares take a serious drop, though there are mixed opinions about Facebook's intentions. Some skeptics point out that after a years-long investigation, the Federal Trade Commission recently fined Facebook $5 billion for privacy breaches. But that's not necessarily a deal-breaker for the lovelorn. Two friends, Dennis and Al, meet for coffee. They're both in their 20s and have spent time on the major dating apps that Facebook is up against. Tinder, Bumble, OkCupid, and Hinge. So let me ask you something, Dennis. You think you're going to meet that special lady on Facebook? Will it be the answer to your prayers where all others have failed? <laughs> Very funny, you loser. But seriously, do I want to give Facebook more info about my personal life after it just got nailed big time over privacy issues? Ah, so what? It's free, and there's no advertising. Nothing's free. They're getting your information, dude. Digging deeper into your life. Though your life is pretty shallow anyway. <laughs> so, are you using it yet? Uh, well, no. But I found some hilarious stuff on Twitter from people who are. Al flicks through his phone to a site called Ruin My Week, which lists actual tweets about Facebook dating. Here's one. 
If Facebook really does monitor the porn we watch, I'm worried Facebook dating will reconnect me with my stepdad. Or how about this? Facebook dating will use their matchmaking algorithm to find the foreign power hacking our elections who is right for you. And here's my favorite. I like how Facebook dating notifies you when your husband signs up. And you'll love this one. Great. Now when I get rejected, people can like and share it. <laughs> yeah, Al, that, that's some funny stuff. So what do you think? Dennis shrugs and sips his mocha. Might as well sign up. The Russians already have all my data anyway. It's still the early days for Facebook dating. But if any app has the capacity to take on Match Group's dominance, this is it. As the decade ends, the war between the major players is heating up as they each try to claw a larger share of the dating audience. The market is glutted with over 2,000 smaller apps in the U.S. alone, where 90% of startups die in the first six months. But the industry is about to face a deadly game-changer, one that no one could have predicted. COVID-19. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. It's April 2020. Since the coronavirus entered the United States three months ago, its effect on virtually every aspect of life has been shocking. Self-isolation and social distancing now dictate what interaction means. For a hot moment, it looked like online dating would go on hiatus. But that's not what happened. Instead, it's getting redefined. With many singletons forced to stay inside, dating is looking, well, a lot different these days. Dating apps like Tinder and Bumble have seen usage surge. Conversations on the platforms are up 19 to 26 percent since mid-March. As the major apps adapt to this new reality, so do their users. And in some unexpected ways. Nia and Damon are both single Gen Z college students. Their scholastic lives are on hold during the quarantine, but dating never sleeps. And even though they're attending universities at opposite ends of the country, they're developing a relationship, and it's all taking place 
online. Hey, Nia, how are you? I'm good, Damon, especially now that I can see you. The couple gazes dreamily into their laptop screens. They met through OKZoomer, a startup app founded by two Yale University juniors targeting college singles. But unlike Bumble and Tinder, it's not location-specific, so distance is no object. OKZoomer uses a basic algorithm to match subscribers based on personality and questions. Photos are not included. Every Saturday night, members are notified who their matches are. Then, the FaceTiming begins. Want to join me for a beer? I'm already there. They tip their bottles toward their screens. I had so much fun last night cooking rigatoni and sausage with you. Sure beats another night of ramen. Hey, did you watch the COVID concert on YouTube? Yeah, pretty cool seeing Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, and Lady Gaga in the same show. In their blossoming virtual courtship, the couple have engaged in all kinds of activities. They've created playlists and danced, watched movies, and had an arousing round of truth or dare. Damon takes another swig of beer and smiles at the screen. You know, seems like we've done so much fun stuff together. I can't believe it's only been a month. I never really thought this could work. I mean, conversation is easy and flowing. Time disappears, chased by a few beers. It's almost existential or something. I know. I... I really like being with you. She reaches over, switches off the desk lamp, and lights a candle. The mood suddenly feels romantic. Maybe it's time to really get to know each other. Damon begins to unbutton his shirt. Nia pulls her scrunchie off and shakes her long hair loose. A decade ago, 3% of relationships started as online encounters. By 2020, as COVID changes the landscape and singles in the 50-plus category become increasingly comfortable with cyber dating. That's grown to 30%. To compete, match groups Tinder, Hinge, and Plenty of Fish all launch video options. Facebook dating does the same through Facebook Messenger. Bumble had already introduced video in 2019, but they all lag behind Coffee Meets Bagel, which offered a video intro gimmick three years ago. Yet, even as acceptability rises... Negative aspects still linger. Ghosting, phony profiles, and sheer dating fatigue are an ongoing part of the landscape. And app sites, big and small, face the eternal struggle of staying relevant. The coronavirus won't last forever. And when it passes, how the current new normal will transform into a newer normal becomes the question. How that might affect online dating is something Bumble founder Whitney Wolf Heard weighed in on for CNBC. So it's important to remember that we've been in the virtual dating space pre-COVID-19. This is what our industry is about. This is what our company facilitates. Uh, We make virtual introductions. And I think there's going to be actually an incredible opportunity that comes from virtual dating, which is you'll get to know each other a bit better virtually before you hop into a, a coffee shop or a bar together. As the never-ending quest for companionship across the spectrum from anonymous sex to wedding bells heads into the new decade, the multi-billion dollar cyber dating business is prospering. From people looking for aging farmers with beards to millennials hooked on swiping, 
The marketplace is constantly changing to accommodate even the most eclectic tastes. And that provides a vast territory to conquer. Where this competition leads us is as unpredictable as love. From Wondery, this is Episode 6 of Dating App Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. In the episode notes, you'll find some links and offers from our sponsors. We hope you'll support them. And we should say something about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said at the time. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they are based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Peter Gilstrap wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say good, because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.